Welcome to the Story Forest, a podcast of original tales for curious and adventurous children. Everyone in the village is made miserable by the snow, and the Fentons know they have to act fast to bring joy and hope, or the Lord and Lady of the Frost will win. But even the kids are miserable, and Ella is acting strangely. What can they do? Rhys and Minor Roberts, and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. Fire Dance Dad! Dad! Joel and Jasmine raced into their parents' bedroom, Jasmine turning the light on, Joel seizing and stealing the cover, leaving their parents shivering and complaining in their pyjamas. It was a well-practised manoeuvre and one that usually got them into trouble, but today it was worth it. Dad, what does lest mean? Jasmine said right next to her dad, who was reaching feebly for the cover. Parents, why couldn't they just get up and get on with things? Cover, Dad said, holding a hand out. Give me the cover and I'll tell you, horrible children. The twins looked at each other to agree, then took the cover and spread it again over their parents. It means that you're doing something so that something else doesn't happen. So don't pull the covers off again, lest I make you do chores all day, Mum said grumpily, though obviously a little pleased with her example. Thanks! Joel and Jasmine said before bounding out of the room. It was Ella's room next. Ella sat up blearily as they threw the curtains open, the light on, and Joel shouted down the corridor for Tom, who appeared a few moments later. Jasmine didn't wait. The clue for today to keep away that horrid Lord and Lady of the Frost is hold fast to joy and bright spring hope, lest the frost creep in and take its hold. Joel added, Dad says lest means like if you don't do something, something else will happen. So if we don't hold on to bright spring hope, then the frost will creep in and take hold. Whatever all of that means, Jasmine finished, and they stared at Ella expectantly. They clearly expected her to know some answers. Ella groaned and looked outside. More snow still had fallen, covering any tracks from the day before. It's kind of about feelings, isn't it? Tom spoke up. Maybe it's all about feelings. We have to hold on to being sort of happy and knowing that spring will come. And maybe if we don't, we'll all get sad like we would if winter was going to last forever. Which, of course, was what was at stake here. The poem in the book they had found said that if the four of them didn't do what it said, the Lord and Lady of the Frost would bring a winter that would last for 50 years. Winter isn't so bad, Ella said. And Jasmine shot her a look of scorn. 
It's probably not just about us, though, is it? Jasmine said. It's usually a thing that's for everyone. So maybe we need to go into the village and find anyone who is sad and cheer them up, Joel said. It seemed like a good start, so they all went to get dressed and ready for the day. As she dressed, Ella found her eyes wandering often to the window, as though she was hoping to see someone outside it. Mum and Dad were not at their best that morning. Dad disappeared into looking at his phone for most of breakfast, and Mum was a bit dreamy and kept forgetting to do things, like put butter on her toast before the jam. Joel and Jasmine tried to cheer them up by telling jokes from a joke book, but Mum just said, that's funny, rather than actually laughing, and Dad hardly listened at all. But the kids had a mission, so they got ready and went out to cheer everyone up. As everyone did when they went into the village, they headed first to the shop. Gone were the shouts and cheers and snowballs from the day before. The adults they saw were walking head down and didn't say hello. The charm of heavy snow seemed to have very definitely worn off and they didn't see any kids at all. Usually, Mr Brinton hovered by the door of his shop, eager to speak to all passers-by, customers or otherwise. It was a shock, therefore, to get halfway inside the shop before they spotted him. He had dragged a seat to sit behind the counter. He looked worse than they had ever seen him. Tom thought he hadn't even known that Mr Brinton could look that way. His eyes seemed heavy, his mouth sloped downward, even his skin looked sad. Hello, Mr Brinton, the twins said brightly at the same time. They had an annoying way of doing this, but Tom knew that their secret was a special nudge of the other's elbow. Hello, Fentons, what would you like to buy? he said dully. Ella and Tom looked at each other worriedly. Nothing right now, thank you, Mr Brinton, Ella said gently. We just came for a chat. How are you doing in all the snow? Mr Brinton just grunted. The twins gave each other a look that Tom thought was rather obvious And then they started chattering and joking in the way that usually made people laugh and smile. But it seemed that today Mr Brinton was immune. After a minute or so, he pushed himself up from his chair with his hands on the counter, moving as though he were carrying a massive boulder on his back. If you're not buying, I'll ask you to leave. I've got stock checks and the books to balance. Good day. It didn't really sound as though he wanted them to have a good day. In utter shock at Mr Brinton's transformation, the Fenton children could do nothing but file out of the shop. As they passed the threshold, Tom noticed something with half of his mind without fully letting it into his main thinking. Mr Brinton hadn't put a teapot outside his house. The Fentons carried on down the street, but the streets were quiet and empty, 
Curtains were closed. It hardly felt like their village at all. Look! Joel shouted and pointed, and the rest of them saw a group of children, most of them who had built the igloo the day before, walking the other way down the street towards them. They walked heavily. Joel frowned. I'm going to run, he said, and set off, and the others did too. Something felt wrong and strange. They reached the other children and came to a stop just outside Mrs Mondoli's house. Sam Thornton, usually a good kid and Ella's friend, looked at them suspiciously. Was it you lot? Is that your idea of a joke? What are you talking about? Jasmine said in astonishment. We haven't done anything. Sam seemed to crumple, his bravado fading. It's the igloo, he said. And looking around, Tom saw that a couple of the younger children had been crying. It was utterly destroyed in the night, but not just by snow or something. Someone had, well, it looked like someone had attacked it, kicked it to pieces. The twins felt a chill hit their hearts. Like their friends, they had worked for hours on that igloo and hoped to be rewarded with hours of play. Unlike their friends, they had some sort of idea who had done it. An igloo is a sort of homestead, isn't it? Tom spoke so quietly that only Ella could hear. We should have put a teapot outside. It must have been them. We can, we, we can build another one. Jasmine tried to sound brave and happy for the group of dejected children, but it came out a bit wobbly. Or, or, or go sledging or something. I think I just want to go home. Madison, the twins' friend, who was usually the last off the football field, spoke up. It's really cold. See you soon. She set off into the village, and gradually the others did too, until the Fentons were left alone in the snow. They turned to look at each other. Jasmine looked wild and desperate. She had counted on the kids being happy, at least. Then there was a small sound from behind them. Mrs Mondoli. The kids spun round quickly, hoping she would have a word of help for them. But Tom could tell straight away that she was in her faraway space. The practical, helpful Mrs Mondoli wasn't there right now. I remember there was a lot of snow one time before. She smiled at them weakly. Even more than this, we had a bonfire and a dance. Oh, the wild dancing. Then she started to hum and sway. And before they could say anything, she looked at them suspiciously and went inside. I think we need a new plan, Joel said firmly. Everyone is really miserable. Not a hint of that bright spring hope the poem was talking about. What makes people happy? Jasmine said fiercely. 
apart from holidays and winning the lottery and getting married and boring things like that, something we can do now. Ella was thinking of something else, some bright eyes against the snow. But Tom was still turning over Mrs Mondoli's words in his mind. A fire, a dance. He spoke quietly, but the twins turned to look at him anyway. He lifted his head and spoke more firmly. A party for everyone to cheer everyone up. That might work. The twins looked at him steadily for a moment. Then Jasmine whooped. That's it. Well done, Tiny Tom. She reached over and pushed his shoulder, a gesture she usually used for Joel. He flushed. How do we get these misery guts to throw a party? Joel said, rubbing his cold nose with his glove. The kids, Ella said, pulling herself back into the moment. The kids are miserable and even a miserable parent will do something wild if they think it will make their kids happy. Genius, Joel crowed. Adults don't stand a chance against Ella superbrains. Right, so we need food. I suppose we'll go to the village hall and music and a bonfire. Maybe people can all bring some dry wood if they have some. And everyone can bring lots of food too. Jasmine said with a grin, and I'll ask old Mr Trevor if the band can play. Mr Trevor, a rather ancient man who lived near the shop, ran a band with similarly wrinkly musicians. Amazingly, their music was full of life and bounce and made absolutely everyone want to dance. And Mr Trevor had a definite soft spot for Jasmine. He'll love it, Joel said enthusiastically, and the others smiled. Then they got to work. Jasmine and Joel went first to Mr Trevor, and Ella and Tom went home to persuade Mum to help them and to phone round everyone in the village. It was going to be a busy day. Mum was doing ironing, a rarity in itself. Ella and Tom helped to fold, made her a cup of tea, and got her a biscuit. This persuaded her to cheer up a bit and then to book the village hall and add the all-important adult seal of approval to the party. If anything, once she had cheered up, she seemed pretty impressed with the kids' initiative. The twins arrived back soon after and they started calling round some of the houses before lunch. Jasmine had hand-selected people she thought might make cakes if they called early enough, and so they called all of them first. It wasn't easy. Every phone call started with grumpiness and misery, and the children had to work really hard to persuade everyone. They told the tale of the broken igloo, and of the cold weather, the sad kids, and generally laid it on very thick. By the time it was lunch, they were completely exhausted. With Dad more cheerful too, as Ella and Tom had taken him tea and a biscuit in his home office too, lunch was much better than breakfast. 
the kids were beginning to actually get excited about the party themselves. Mrs Bawtree says she's got lots of decorations left over from her sister's wedding, Jasmine told everyone with her mouthful. She's going to meet me there with Madison and Caitlin and we're going to put them up, streamers and things. Don't talk with your mouthful, Jasmine, Dad said mechanically. And Mr Harrison said he has a whole barn full of wood from when a big tree fell down. So he's going to bring it for the bonfire, Tom said, but it prompted a whoop from Joel. Ella found herself smiling, despite herself. Big, loud parties weren't really her favourite things, but this was starting to sound amazing. Do you know what? Dad said, catching on to the spirit of things. I'm going to ring up Mr Brinton and see if he's got any fireworks left. He did it while everyone had yoghurt for pudding and when he came back, he was looking strange. Did he have the fireworks, Dad? Joel said. Tom frowned. Um, yes, he's got a couple of boxes he said I can buy. But he frowned. We saw him earlier, Dad, Ella said gently. He seemed really down. Everyone does everywhere. I think we do need this party. That's right, Dad said, picking himself up. I'll go and get those fireworks now. Anyone coming? Usually someone would have gone to get a bit of time with Dad or to be out of the house or hoping he might buy them some sweets. But today they were definitely all too busy. They made more calls. And then Jasmine went off to decorate the hall and Tom went to look at the bonfire with Mr Harrison and the man who looked after the village hall. Joel and Ella finally finished the call list and hurried over to the hall to help. It was already quite dark when Ella stepped into the village hall, which was whitewashed with high wooden rafters. She gasped. There were orange, yellow, red and pink streamers hanging everywhere and balloons filled with sparkling confetti. The man who ran the hall had been blasting out the heating all day to get it warm and in a stroke of genius, Jasmine had brought all the chairs from various places in the building and set them out down one end and covered them in some beautiful bright cloths she had found at the back of a cupboard. Mr Trevor on the saxophone and his elderly band with drums, a double bass, a keyboard and a trumpet were practising down the other end and the whole place felt like a party already. Jasmine ran towards Ella, grabbed her hands and they spun round and round in a circle, laughing and laughing. But there was still a lot to do. The children helped set up tables for food, fetched plates and cups and phoned mum when they realised they were going to need some more paper napkins, knowing she had a bright pile of mismatching ones in the corner of a cupboard that would do just fine. They were just, just ready when people started to come. Folks arrived stomping and huffing, with gloomy faces and downturned words. 
but their transformation as they came into the warmth, were bossed around and directed by Jasmine, who seemed to be everywhere, heard the music and saw the food and the room, was just wonderful. It was like water just melting, Tom thought. And Joel would have said it was like watching your team go from 2-0 down to winning 5-2 in the last 10 minutes. Everyone brought wonderful food and the kids each tried several types of cake. And then there was dancing with grown-ups and kids and messing around. Then Dad got up and started to lead some silly games. And then Mrs Holland was persuaded to lead some barn dances. There were shouts of laughter and pink, excited faces and the kids playing very secret games under the tables and the old people watching and smiling from the chairs, Mrs Mondoli included. And then Tom went to find Mr Harrison and they went outside and lit the bonfire. As it started to roar, everyone spilled outside and warmed themselves and couples were cuddling, and people were grinning, and kids were racing around the outside. Dad took Madison and Caitlin's dad down to the other end of the field and set off the fireworks, and everyone gasped and cheered and said, Ooh! And it seemed the gloominess and sadness of earlier was all forgotten. Ella only noticed then something that should have been obvious from much earlier on. Usually at the centre of things like this was one man, Mr Brinton. He loved the village, loved the community and he loved things like this. But she couldn't see him anywhere. Ella frowned and stepped away from the fire's glow and then further away. Her legs and her eyes seemed to have a purpose that she hadn't quite fathomed. She moved further and further from the party, as though she were looking for someone. But it wasn't Mr Brinton. Ella finally managed to stop her feet as she came to a terrible realisation. She was looking for the Lady of the Frost. Some part of her longed to see her again, that wild beauty glowing against the night. Part of her had been thinking of it all day. She stopped, but it was too late. Suddenly in front of her, on her tall, pale horse, was the Lady of the Frost. Ella couldn't look away. She wore a silvery dress that left her pale arms bare. She wore no shoes. A magnificent necklace was draped carelessly about her neck, which would have been made of diamonds if Ella hadn't known instinctively that it wasn't diamonds. It was the clearest cut ice. The Lady of the Frost slipped off her horse onto the ground and came to stand in front of Ella. She laughed, and her laugh sounded somehow like stone grating against stone. Ella shuddered, but still couldn't move. The Lady of the Frost blew into her face, then turned away and mounted the horse again. You are of the frost now, Ella Fenton. You have ice inside you. One day 
you will be like me. Ella couldn't move until the Lady of the Frost was gone. Even when she could, something inside her was cold. A cold that had nothing to do with the cold air or freezing snow. She went back to the party. Everyone had gone inside to have tea, coffee and hot chocolate. But for her, it was ruined now. And she sat and watched as the others danced and leaped like wild animals, as people laughed and talked and ate. Finally, everyone went home, laughing and hugging and kissing. Ella helped to clear up mechanically as the twins crowed at the success of the party. What's wrong, Ella? Tom asked her on their way home. Ella looked up to the dark night sky and felt a melancholy pull at her heart, deep and cold. She sighed deeply and Tom looked worried, then yawned. They had reached home. I'll tell you tomorrow, Tom. Let's go to bed. All of them fell quickly to sleep that night. The others slept deeply and contentedly. But Ella had a shallow sleep, filled with strange dreams of chasing a wolf, or of a raven cawing or laughing or both. But they had survived it, the fourth day of the frost. The end. Thanks for listening. We've got the next story coming next Thursday. You can catch up on all our series, from tactical Theo the Monster Hunter, to the brave Princess Isabel, to George, who just doesn't want to go on holiday to an old castle. Would you? Which is your favourite series? Let us know. We love to hear from you. See you next week. Bye.